One guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love is regarded by many as one of the greatest voices of the stage. He was in the original London production of Hair, countless other West End productions, including Pete Townsend's Tommy, Ken Hill's original Phantom of the Opera, The Rocky Horror Picture Show, The Wiz, One Love and Holding On, both with Ruby Turner, as well as Julius Caesar at the Bristol Old Vic and Measure for Measure at the National. He's recorded several solo albums and worked with the likes of Freddie Mercury, Thomas Dolby and Talk Talk and made various TV and film appearances including Doctor Who in 1979 which, take it from me, I will be sure to ask him about. Also Connie in 1985 and the movie Morons from Outer Space. I'm talking about Peter Straker and we'll hear from Peter after his first choice which is John Lennon starting over. Starting over. Peter Straker, welcome to Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love. Good morning, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I don't know. Well, yes, good, good evening, afternoon. maybe. <laughs> could be anything. Could be anything. How yeah. are you? I, I, I live. Oh, good, good. <laughs> That's the best thing. <laughs> Thank heavens say. for small mercies, as they say. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I can still talk. It's, it's nice to be here, Andrew. Thank Tell you. me about your first choice from uh, the late and very great John Lennon. Um, I've always liked John Lennon. I like, I, I, I like his, his music. I just like the way he writes songs and... And this particular song, I just, I, I adored. And actually, I, I, I made a record of it, which not many people know about. Um, and, but I think we'll release it later on this year. Or right. I, I don't know. And, and it's just in a totally different way. But it's, it's just so optimistic and wonderful. And it's, I just think it's one of the great love songs. <laughs> but it's, it's when you look at, because he was starting over as well. Yes. And when you look then at what happened, it, it sends shivers down your spine. Well, it, it, it's, it's. Looking back, like all those things, yes, you're absolutely right. But I, I didn't take it in that content uh, context. I just thought, this is just a good song. Mm. He's, he's written such beautiful songs, and um, it, it, it starting over. It, I, I just, it's something very romantic, and I, I can be quite romantic amongst in, in between my cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were born in Jamaica, yeah? I was born in Jamaica. Well, and what brought your family to the UK? My parents, um, I think, split up. They got divorced. Uh, my mother went to New York first, and then she came to um, to London. Um, um, and, and so they got divorced, and, and she won custody of, of, of me and my siblings. And so my maternal grandmother brought us to England in the, in the, in the 90s, in the uh, 50s. Um, and that's, we came to join my mother because she won custody. And how old would you have been? Oh, must have been about ten, right. eleven, something like that. Yeah, it's about then. And we're very, our ages are quite close. There's about two or three and a half years difference between us. So we were quite young, all three, all three of us coming with my grandmother. And we came on. A, we came over on. Uh, uh, it's a very good way to bring children somewhere. Um, we were, I suppose, Windrush children, but not Windrush. We came on a on a ship that stopped in all different places. So it's like a cruise ship in those days. Mm -hmm. So we stopped in Cuba, in the Bahamas, I think Bermuda, um, Spain, Bilbao, Santander, somewhere like that, and then and France. And then eventually, I think it was 17 days or something like that, eventually we ended up in Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and we took a train from Plymouth. It was a beautiful day, as I remember. And my mother pointing out all the, 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 the white horses, uh, you know, the, 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 the chalk etchings on the thing, uh, on the trains and lovely. And we arrived at Paddington and it was black <laughs> and dank and dark and cold. And that's it. And my mother, um, she was studying music here because she was studying voice and she was a leader singer. And I suppose it's looking back, again, looking back, I think it's quite advanced in those days to have a, a black woman um, or a woman of color. I, it's very difficult to have, how to explain people these days. I've got to be very careful what yeah. I say. Um, um, doing music, serious music like that because uh, it, it wasn't happening certainly in Europe. Maybe America a little bit more, but not, not in the 50s and early 60s. So did you, were your uh, siblings older or younger or were you in the middle? I'm, uh, I, I'm the eldest. I am the leader of the family. And did you have, uh, between you, did you have music uh, growing up at home, whether it was radio or... Oh, yes, or yes, a... all the time. Oh, no, 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 all the time, because um, mum, uh, we, well, she, she, she practised, rehearsed, and had lessons and did concerts at the Wigmore Hall and stuff like that, and in Europe. So, uh, no, music was around all the time. Classical music. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me uh, about your second choice, Peter, which um, I've been practising this. J'arrive from Jacques Brel. Is that right? J'arrive Jacques Brel. Yes, yes, yes. Um, um, well, I became... I was introduced to Jacques Brel's music by a musical director called Alan... And I can't remember his name at the moment because names is, escape me. In the, in the 60s... And he had written some wonderful songs in those days. Um, I think by then, I think he had written he had written um, Depart, which is If You Go Away, which became a hit for, I think, Shirley Bassey or s s somebody like that. Mm. And then lo a lot of other people recorded it. He'd written Jackie, which Scott Walker did yeah. in the 60s. So that was... And I just loved his songs. And, and when I saw him on television, French television, or, or shots of him... and the passion with which he performed and his songs were so immediate that I fell in love with him and that type of music, the chanson, which is just bearing your heart. And it's all to do with words and music and the power. And that's where I'm at. The chrysanthème, en chrysanthème, nos amitiés sont en partance. of a powerful vocal oh man the man is out of this world as they say in america <laughs> no no i just i find that all very moving it's very theatrical as well yeah, I'm, quite, I'm quite theatrical and i love all of that and and the, and the sentiments and the thing i mean the, the sounds with the get with, with the i'm not the um the, 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 the strings and, and their live strings going Ching! it's like a guitar sound yeah which which they got i just they that's it you either like it or you don't I can see a lot of people might think this is dreadful. No, but... but, but, but no, you, no, 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 I said a lot of people might. Yeah, but you mentioned... Much. You said it was he who wrote uh, Jackie. Yes, Because you yes. can you can tell that he yes. did, because it's that same style, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so, and Matilda, he did. And it's a lovely... I, I, I've, I've recorded this as well, that's why I like it, I, and I've done it um, um, with a, an English translation by a wonderful um, translator who, who speaks French very well, English man called... Um, 
Peter Kenvin, and I'm so pleased that we've done it. Totally, it's totally different because anything you, you, you never, none of us sound like the original. No, but it's just um, it, I just find it. I love music. I love power. How did how did the road for you lead to the stage? I always wanted to be an actor, right? And um, my mother did not want me to be an actor because she said it was such a precarious, like most most parents don't want their children to be actors or musicians because there's no there's no steady living you can lead you know she thought I should study and become something I don't know what else anything else but um, um, I decided I could act I wanted to be an actor and that's it and I was the arrogance of youth is overwhelming mm. sometimes I wasn't sort of um, I wasn't lippy about it or anything like that uh, because it was suggested that I go to drama school, and I just said, no, I can act. <laughs> <laughs> and now when I think about it, I would never give anybody that advice. Yeah. But if you also have that feeling that you can do something, I think you should try, because most people will allow you to try and, and to do it. And, and, and in so doing, I, just, I was lucky. I, 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 oh, I, just, I was lucky I met the right person at the right time. I, I met an agent, and... and, and Annie Chatterson, um, Challenger, and she had a young guy who was working with her, and I was just beginning to go and start singing with various little bands and little combos on the road. So I, I, I sort of went up to places like um, um, Nottingham and did some working men's clubs, which I was taken up to, to do, and we all went around in the car like you do. <laughs> with the drums in the back and the, <laughs> and, the, and, um, and and that was and in fact I was in Wales and I don't know which bit in Wales I probably was in in Swansea or yes. Cardiff or somewhere like that when I this guy called David Dion who became my manager um, said called me and said would I come up to London on the Friday um, and I was doing a show in the evenings so I was doing a uh, Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday. Those are the days and when bingo was played and all of that. And, um, and I said, uh, he said, there's a show coming and just come and do an audition for it. And I did an open audition for the show called Hair. And um, I sort of say the rest is history, but I did nine auditions for it and I got it eventually. I got the, 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 one, of the, one of the roles in, in it. Um, and that was the original 1968 production, yeah? 68 production, yeah. yes, of the, of the British cast, the English cast. Yeah. 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 And good memories of that? Oh, lovely, fantastic! Um, what a what a way to start your yeah. career! How lucky! I mean, it it it, it um, the, the 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 premise of the show broke all the rules of theatre and everything. It was rock, and um, there was a band on stage, and I wasn't used to rock and roll music. I was used to opera and leader singing. So, <laughs> so it was a marvelous it was a marvelous thing. And and I, I just wanted to be on stage, and I, and I could sing. It's a, my brothers can sing as well because at some stage when we were young we used to sing locally um, go around to people's houses and not, not for money or anything just sing the three of us singing and in fact they're better musicians than I am and, I, and I'm not being modest but I got away with it so there you are but they didn't want to be musicians either so, so it's totally different I, I, I get from what you're saying and forgive me if I'm wrong but despite uh, a recording career and despite TV and film acting stage was the first love Yep, yeah. yep, yep, absolutely. That's what I wanted to be, an actor. Um, and oh, it's, it's like, 
I wasn't, I didn't do as much acting as I wanted to because I wanted to do classical roles as well at this time, and and I wasn't looked upon favourably. That's what we're going to say in a nice way. Yeah, no, and I'm not bitter mean. at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. It's just, the, it's, just it's, it's a toss of the dice. Uh, now, your next choice is from Aretha Franklin, a track from oh. the live Amazing Grace album. Tell me about this one. Oh, Aretha Franklin is, oh, everybody wants to sing, who's a singer wants to sing like Aretha Franklin. The agility of the vocal range of that woman and the passion, again, passion and the power, it's, it's, it's second to none. It's second to none. And um, I've just listened to so much of her music on and off. I, I listen to a lot of music, but I'm not a great music aficionado, if you know what I mean. I do. I'm not a, I just love music. And I listen to things, and, oh, God, that, I love that. And, I, and it just goes, and then I, it comes back at another time. Uh, this album, I first heard Golly in 1972 or three. I can't remember, or four, or something like that. It's in the early 70s, and I used to play it all the time. It was Atlantic Records, and it was a live album. And, and I just played it and played it and loved it. And I've always loved this particular track, which goes on for some time, but it's, it's fabulous. And um, I, just, I just love, I, I love the elex, elas, elasticity, mm -hmm. elasticity of the voice and the music. And, and and that gospel sound, which is oh oh oh. But oh. she was she was something special, especially well, something when she else. sang when she sang gospel. Nobody sang yeah. gospel like Aretha. No, no, no. She's a one-off. Yeah. No, we've a lot of people have tried, and it's it's good to to to, to have somebody to aspire to try to sing like and and all that coloratura thing with the with with the um <laughs> you know things. Mm. Um, no, no. Aretha was one. She's a one-off. Ain't nothing. Magnificent. Well, yes, she is magnificent. I mean, there's nothing. Uh, words, uh, there are no words to describe Aretha Franklin. No. Except no. she's out of this world. Peter Stryker's third choice on this edition of music was my first love from the late Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. As you started getting into the pr uh, profession, Peter, who were your heroes and people that you aspire to, to match? Uh, well, in terms of music? Yeah, and, and well, acting as well, yeah. Both. Well, I suppose in, in terms of music, um, one of the people that really... Well, it, it was Aretha, even in those days. I loved all the Detroit stuff, obviously. The Motown mm. stuff was just fantastic. Uh, Marvin Gaye and all the, the, the Supremes. I, I, we, I loved a lot of that and listened to that. And I, and I also was on the other side. I listened to a lot of, um, a lot of uh, opera. Um, it's natural stuff that we heard. Um, one of the great people that I, uh, I think one of the first records my mum bought was, uh, was a song of, of Gili singing, the Italian um, 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 tenor, singing Celeste Aida, which I used to try and sing, and some Mozart. It's, it's so eclectic that I, I, I can't really think of any one particular. Mm. And then, of course, in the 60s, as I grew up, started to listen to more music than, than Mr. Breil. And I just liked music, and it was joyous. And, um, yeah, it was just... And it was... We, we had it around the house all the time. I mean, not a day went by without... Mum was on the piano, and then we had used to have gatherings and stuff where everybody, the neighbours would come in, and friends of ours would come through, and 
we'd all sit around the piano. Well, not, well, not sit around the piano like that, but we just everybody it, 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 it rather you know you just sit at the piano and, and play. Mm. And um, I think um, Paul, my brother, he I think he played the guitar a bit. So it was just it was it was wonderful, and we all practiced. I played the piano for a little bit, and Martin did as well. So music was around all the time. So that's really I was lucky. Yeah. Very, very lucky. Yeah, lucky. Now, I, I didn't know until uh, I started researching and thinking about it, it's, it's rather ignorant, uh, ignorant of me, that uh, Phantom in the Opera was originally a play uh, brought to the stage by Ken Hill. What, what was that experience like? Oh, that was wonderful. Um, um, Phantom of the Opera it wasn't a play. It, it was a book, actually. It was yeah. a novel, Gascon. Um, and then Ken made it into a, a, a play. And then eventually he put... Um, he put um, uh, music to it, but what he did was he took original pieces of music from the greats like Donizetti, um, Offenbach, you know, Guno, and uh, because um, the music wasn't out of, was out of copyright, he could then add his own words to it. Ah, so right. he changed the words to fit to fit the um, the situation and the drama. So it was so he wrote um, a melodrama. Which is called Phantom of the Opera, and it's called Ken Hill's original Phantom of the Opera. So he did that um, well before. It's not well known, but he did it before um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. And I can say, and I do say with great pride now, I was the original Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Brilliant! That's great. Yeah, I, I so it's good. So it's done. It's um, done. Um, There's no mistaking it. No. The other person, Mr. Crawford, who is nothing wrong with. He's lovely. I mean, he he was worldwide successful, and, and it was great. So that's that's life. Have you um, have you done any of the, uh, the the Lloyd Webber productions? No, I've never done d done done it. No, no, I've never been asked to do it, so I didn't do it. Ne next up, Peter, is something fairly new from Yorkshire-born singer John Newman. Tell me about "Love Me Again." Love Me Again. I came across John Newman some time ago. Maybe I don't know. I can't remember how long ago, but I heard um, the the music. And I went out and I bought the album. You know how you do sometimes. Mm. And it's, I think it's the album is called, I think it's called Tribute, I think, the original album this song is on. I think it's one of his first albums. But I could be wrong. I, I don't, don't quote me. And I've always liked to sing. I, I, again, I just like that in-your-face in music. And it's such a good tune. And it's, it's, it's just great fun as well. And his energy, again, his energy. And, of course, his brother um, was on... Um, I didn't realize it was his brother. I thought they might because they sound slightly similar. Was on the Eurovision Song Contest just recently, as you oh, know. Oh, I didn't know that. That's no, his brother. Know. Oh, yes, wow. Yes, James Newman. Oh. And I, and I, well, I think it's his brother. Don't. I I'll think it's his it brother. Look it up while it's playing, yeah. I think it's his brother, and I think they write together. And you can hear it, you can hear it in his voice. I'm sure it... Oh, if I'm wrong, well, we'll find out at the end because this is being done there, live, yeah. so it doesn't matter. It's good to have mistakes <laughs> if, if, if to show that we're all... And, and, um, and I just like their the, the music and the, the big brass sounds on it. It's just fantastic. Some fine choices, Mr. Straker, I have to say. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> How did the recording career come about? Because you worked with Talk Talk and Thomas Dolby and, and uh, you had a very long working relationship with the late and 30 years on much Miss Freddie Mercury. Gosh, yes. Um, a recording came uh, by accident. 
by accident. I made my first record. I did. My first record was made with um, Howard and Blakely, who at the time was recording the Honeycombs. Looking back, um, the Herd, Peter Frampton and, mm -hmm. yeah. and Dozy Beaky, Dozy Dozy Beaky, yes, Mick, Mick and Tits, that 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 <laughs> lot. Which, and I knew a couple of them, so they. And it sounds. It, it doesn't mean really, it, it, it. It was some time ago, um, and I was um, working. I just left hair, and I was starting to. And I was going to do a film with Ned Sheeran called Girl Stroke Boy, and I. Ned and Carol Brahms, the other writer with him, she came. They came to see me performing. I remember this quite distinctly at the Mayfair um, Mayfair Hotel. In they have a theatre downstairs, and I did a concert with with a band because I was starting to do shows and stuff like that. And they came to see me, and they recommend. I, I, I think Ned recommended me to Howard and Blakely to do a song called "The Spirit Is Willing" with the hands of Dr. Telleny, and um, I. It was a backing track which they gave me, and and, and it was a, a sort of disco version of "Jesus, Your Joy of Man's Desire," you know, the the the, the, the Bach song, Johnson, mm -hmm. and and I did that, and it sort of became a minor hit. I think it got to number forty in the in the national charts, and then I went off and did an album called Private Parts with them, which was semi-autobiographical, which of course at that age was ridiculous. Anyway, it was done, and. Um, and um, that's how I got into to music, really. And to jump ahead, can I chat with you a little bit, because conveniently with the next track that's coming up, um, about Freddie Mercury. Um, was his, what was he like? Was his public persona different to the private one? Uh, yes, yes. Most people's public persona is yeah. different to the other one. Not exactly different, because it becomes part of it too. But yes, 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 yes. I mean, it it wasn't quite as flamboyant and, and extrovert as um, as we see any actor on stage. You, we just that's the I think that's the lovely part of being an actor or a performer. You can be something that you're not in real life. Mm. Um, you can put on this whole a new frock or a new robe and just go and dare to do to do something else. Um, and that's not unusual at all, really, mm. you know. And then I got, and then I, after doing that, and I then recorded with, um, with RCA Records, and then I then recorded with uh, Peter Knight Jr., who he was, uh, he produced the album Hair from Polydor. Um, and I did some sing a lot of singles with him, well, about three or four or five singles with him. Um, Including one which I'm very proud of, which nobody hears, but it, it, it was Carousel, um, which is a Jacques Brel song, which was a song that gets faster and faster. And I did it live at Chapel Studios. I, I remember this now because I'm beginning to write some stuff about my life, you see. So right. This is why it's a thing that come. And, and, and um, we did it live in Chapel Studios in, in, off Bond Street with, with a whole orchestra, which is Father. Peter Knight Senior conducted and and with his mother singing. So it was uh, yeah it's uh, yeah so that's it's I was lucky I drifted in. So your next choice is a Queen song um, that has I think taken on a whole new meaning since the recent movie. Um, as a friend and a fan, you could have chosen any track. So why particularly Love of My Life? I find it so um, uh, again very powerful but quite intimate and it's such a contrast 
to um, the bombast of the Queen music, which I just adore, don't get me wrong, mm. but it was just so, it, it, it's so affecting. And I just love the, I, I love the, even though they're, they're playing to how many thousands, they do play to, they manage to bring it down and it just becomes about them. And theatrically, uh, I think it's, it's wonderful. Very simple. Love of my life, can't you see? Bring, bring it back, bring it back. Don't take it away from me because you don't know what it means to me. You're listening to another edition of Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love with singer and actor Peter Straker choosing ten of his favourite tracks. Many rivers to cross, Jimmy Cliff. Well, I mean, um, it's it's almost prophetic now um, in, in the modern world. I don't want to get too... It's just, it's a brilliant song. It it's also reminds me, uh, it's it's a tribute to so many musicians. It, it could have been Bob Marley, anybody as Jamaican. Mm. And, and that's, that's really... I mean, choose, asking to, to choose 10 of your favourite songs in the whole world, it, it's very difficult because... There are many more favourites that I have. So we could do this, or many other people that you have on your programme, could do this once a week and we still wouldn't run yeah. out. There'd yeah. be still ten great songs. Um, it's, it, it's, again, it's a sort of simplicity which I just enjoy. And, and especially when it was made, that it, it wasn't an overproduced record. It was just, but, but so, it's so real. And it, I know it's everything, some of these songs that I talk about, I, it sounds so pretentious. It's just to me. I just love it. It it, it 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 does something to me that goes there into my, into my heart, my soul, and I just go, yes, I want to hear that, and I could hear it again and again. But sometimes you, you talk about simplicity. Sometimes it doesn't need to be overproduced. You've got a voice. You've got a lyric on that song. What more do you need? Yes, and it touches you. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's and, and I think a lot of these these particular songs. There's so many other songs that that, that touches me. I mean, there are lots of other people that I'd love to put in there. You know. Elton John, I mean, um, um, Rod Stewart. I mean, there are lots of other people there that could go in there. But, they, but <laughs> I, I was limited to ten. <laughs> How, um, it's all right, you're not the first to complain and you won't be the last. How, it's, the, it's a fact, it's not a complaint. That's true, yeah. <laughs> How did you uh, find your way into TV and film? Um, well... I don't. I, again, I don't know how. I think it's just if you have an agent mm -hmm. and and you're current, and somebody sees you. Some again, uh, I think a lot of it is is a, a diligence and 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 a bit of luck. And you you meet you meet the right producers or directors at the time, and they go, yes, do you know what? I think you can do this. And I guess your I mean, most famous role was Connie. Um, I suppose so in in real terms because that was with um, um, Stephanie Beecham and Pam mm -hmm. Ferris. And um, Richard Morant and Paul uh, Rogers. I mean, I, 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 uh, uh, yes, yes. And and uh, again, that that came about because um, I know I played the part of Dev in Connie, and Dev I think was written originally for um, an Asian, either Indian or, or uh, something like I think I think I could be totally wrong. Ron Hutchinson wrote it, and. I went to, and, and I saw um, the director, Alan, 
and um, and and Nick Nick Palmer was the producer, and Derek Barnes was the um, um, the, the casting director. And I managed to persuade them that I could do it because I saw, and, and I just thought I'd just love to do this. And luckily, I got it. Hmm. And, and a lot of actors can say that. Or luckily, there are other sh shows that I went for which I just didn't get. <laughs> and I can name quite a lot of them, but we won't waste time with that today. No. <laughs> Before we move on to your next choice, just to let you know, I did have a sneaky uh, look, and uh, the Newmans are brothers, so you were absolutely yes, they right. Are. Yes, yes, no, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a new bright young British talent for your seventh choice, uh, Peter Lewis Capaldi. Yes, don't know too much about him. What I... When I heard him about two years ago or something like that, I just, I just sat up and I thought, wow, this is a young guy, a Scottish, that I do know, and, um, and in fact, he doesn't sound, <laughs> he doesn't sound, when he speaks, he doesn't sound the way he no. sings. So that, that's a, quite a mantra that's, but, that, that, that he's taken on. But he writes a lot of his music, and I've listened to some of it, um, not in great detail, and I just like this particular song because it's, it's, I just love the way it, it was done. Again, a simple, very simple song, and 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 and, and beautifully done, and sung. So uh, there's a, a there's a, a maturity in the writing and the voice, which I like. I was getting kind of used to being so you love. Commander, you must tell me what you're doing here on Scarrow. It's vital. Why? What do you know, Scarrow? Well, I'll tell you when you tell me what you're doing. Very well, I don't see why this should compromise us. Our mission is directed against a force known as the Daleks, a race of evil autonomous... Yes, thank you, thank you, I know. You know the Daleks? Oh, better than you could possibly imagine. Commander, the Daleks? Yes. I'm very familiar with their methods. It's vital I know what they're doing here. That is precisely what I would like to know, too. So I have to ask you about Doctor Who. Not only am I a lifelong hiding behind the sofa fan, uh, but Tom Baker is one of my TV heroes. So what do you remember about the experience? Because I reviewed it over the last couple of weeks and it always comes over as that particular story, always comes over as being a lot of fun. What, the Shirelle? Uh, Commander Shirelle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, in the 70s when we did this, I mean, Doctor Who was quite something, but... Nobody knew what it would become this huge thing mm. um, worldwide. And uh, I, I, was, I was going to do Doctor Who, and I, w I went to, um, I was in Greece on holiday. I went to um, Athens originally with Freddie, uh, and we were going to go to Mykonos with some, uh, some of um, his entourage and, and, and friends like that. And we stayed in Athens, and and the weather is so was so bad out there that none of the planes would land in Mykonos. So we spent three or four days in in um, in Athens, doing what tourists do and everything. And and um, he said, oh, he said, darling, I've 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 got to go now. I've I've, I've got to go. We, we've got to go. I've got to meet the boys because I'm recording. I think either in Munich or or somewhere in Europe they were recording. So he flew off with his people, and I um. I said, well, I've got my item, and I'm not due to start working for another 10 days. So I flew off to, eventually, I flew to Mykonos and met up with some friends, June and her husband, Graham, and I was staying with them, um, June Boland. And, and um, it's, it, was, it was fantastic. And then after four days, 
um, my manager, she called me and she said to me, um, I'm afraid you have to break your holiday. They brought recording uh, the, the episodes that you're in. They brought it forward. And I said, well, I, I, I can't get off it. Yeah, anyway, to, to cut a long story short, um, we, um, we chartered um, an Olympus one of those little funny fly things that mm. fly between the islands. And I don't, don't like flying. I can tell you, Andrew, I was up the pole. I was holding on to this thing on the side as we were <laughs> ducking in, in the... And, and that's what I remember very much about. <laughs> and we arrived, and, and then the next day I had to go. Something had went wrong, something had gone wrong with the schedule, and, and, and we just had to be back. So that's how I did it. And, uh, and good fun. I, it was great fun. I had the best time. I was great friends with um, Suzanne Danielle. Yeah. And we, we knew we were going down there to do it. And I know Tony Asoba. And I hadn't met Tom Baker. And I was a little bit, I was a bit apprehensive because he's such a powerful mm. um, character. And Lala Ward. And I, I have to say, we got on very well. I mean, delightfully, I can say. I can say that with great pleasure. We got on so well. We after the first day of filming, he just said, "Well, I'm, 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 shall we meet in the bar for a drink?" And I said, <laughs> "Yes, yes, yes." And no, no. So it, it it was great joy to do it. Good. It was wonderful. Good. As we move on, <coughs> excuse me. As we move on to your next choice, uh, tell me about your association with Tommy. Tommy, ah, Tommy was done originally. Um, the new version was in 1979, I think, or 78. It was done at. Hornchurch, and um, I, Paul Tomlinson and John Hole recently died. John Hole. Um, they were doing it, and my, and my dear friend um, was a wonderful producer who worked with the Royal Court, um, Helen Montague, and she said she was doing this Tommy this show, and she'd heard me singing, and she just said to me, "It was over Christmas, I think, of that year." Um, at the end of 78 or something and she said darling I'm doing this new show and I think you'll be just marvellous <laughs> for it and so <laughs> um, and and that's how it happened I, I, I just was shooed in to, to, to play the narrator in Tommy and um, we, we met up in a club and the deal was done not a deal the deal was done but she said would you do it I said I'd love to do it and the rest is history. It, it, it was all worked out. I just, by that stage, I had just done my first album, which Freddie and Roy Thomas Baker, Freddie Mercury and Roy Thomas Baker, produced. It was called This One's On Me. And um, it, 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 it was doing very well. It was doing very well in Holland and Germany and stuff. And the only deal that we had to do was that in the middle of the run, that I would have 10 days off to go to Munich to perform with my band. And I was allowed to do that. And yes, uh, yes, now you, you talk to me about it. Yes, that's what happened. And, and, and we did it. I met Mr. Townsend, and we got on very, very well, loved all the music. It was, it was a very rock and roll show in those days. We were walking around backstage at the Queen's Theatre with bottles of Remy Martin in our hands. <laughs> that's when rock and roll was rock and roll. I, 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 I don't know what that means, because I sound so posh. <laughs> But it, you don't have to be posh. I think. No, it was, and it was a wonderful, a wonderful time. I, I really enjoyed doing doing the show, and um, Kevin Williams was in it. Gary Love, my great friend, who's an actress called, um, who's an actress, Anna, Anna Nicholas. No, 
I, it was a joyous time and um, just, just great. Then, um, cut now to 2017, I, it was re being redone, um, and Kerry Michael was directing it, who was, who was the, um, the artistic director of, uh, at the Theatre Royal Stratford East. And they were doing a tour with it, with, with, um, and I can't remember the name of, and I should do this, but it, it was a company that was formed to use all actors, um, people who were partially sighted, people who couldn't hear, yeah. in wheelchairs and everything. And um, they another version of Tommy, and and Will who played Tommy, he he was um, deaf and dumb. And and then there there were other singers who sang sang it while he was around, and there was signing, and it was. It was it was one of the most uplifting performances yeah. um, 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 and theatrical pr uh, things that I have ever had experiences, and it was just wonderful. And uh, Kerry asked um, Pete if he considered um, um, the Acid Queen being played by a, a bloke, and that was me. And I said, "Well, yes, I'll do it," because um, Kerry wanted he, he wanted me to be involved because I did the first um, thing, and we went through lots of. Um, things. I hadn't seen Peter for a long time and we, we met up, not about that, we met up before that because he'd been trying to find me and I'd been trying to find him and all of that, you know, this sort of misses. And um, we got it and, and then Kerry asked him, he said to me, well, will you write The Acid Queen another song because I, I, the way I want to do it. So he did, he wrote another song for me. So yes, so um, this is, I'm afraid, um, it's it sort of had to happen and the Acid Queen is song in it is lovely. I, I, I don't know who you've got singing, but I, I presume it's Tina Turner. Uh, no, I've got the Who. Well, oh, you got the. I've got it down as the Who. It doesn't sound like Roger Daltrey, but you might know better than me. No, but, but who is singing? Who is actually singing the Acid Queen song? I don't know, actually. Oh. It, but it's it, it. I've got it. It doesn't I, matter. When I found it, I've got it as the Who. Uh, but it doesn't sound like Roger Daltrey, so we'll have a listen. This okay. is uh, Peter Straker's uh, eighth choice, The Acid Queen, uh, but we're not sure who by. If your child ain't all he should be now, this girl can put him right. Tell your soul. Well, you enjoyed singing along to that, didn't you? Well, bits of it, yes, yes. I thought it was going to be um, 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 Tina Turner. But it, it doesn't matter. It's quite good to hear that. I heard it ages ago, and it's good to hear it again. And is that the Who? It's part of the Who. Yeah. I don't know who it is. Yeah, it's, it's not Daltrey. It, it's not Daltrey. It could be Peter. Yeah. Could be. As well as singing both uh, on stage and on record, uh, you've also done a lot of theatre work, and, and particularly Julius Caesar. Yes, um, Julius Caesar was wonderful uh, in, in uh, Roger Rees. Um, the late uh, yeah, yeah. yes, uh, he directed it and he put together a, a very eclectic um, cast. We were um, I was from Jamaica, somebody from China. Um, uh, David Yip was in it. Um, um, Michael Fenner, and it it was um, it was it was it was a very pared down um, production. If I think about it, it was just. He he just made it, and we doubled up and shopway, and it, it was. I played Cassius in it, and it was. I found it quite difficult, but I enjoyed it very very much because it, it, it was quite a challenge. Um, I have to say, 
uh, but I enjoyed it. And, and just a little, as a little in between all of that, I, I remember just two days before we opened, um, Freddie was doing The Great Pretender. <laughs> and, and, and I was in The Great Pretender. And, and um, I, we had to take some time off. So my driver came and picked me up at about uh, 6 o'clock, 5.36 in the afternoon, where I had to shave all my, my moustache off. And my, we had to go and, and, and to dress up as one of the girls with Roger, with Roger Taylor, one of the backing singers in The Great Pretender. So I, I, that, that all molds together. It's a very strange. I remember sitting, standing in my hotel um, in the morning before we went to, um, <laughs> to, to, um, to do the filming because uh, Freddie asked us to get rid of our facial hair and stuff like that, and, and a little bit of hair on my chest and hair under my arms. And, of course, the bugger then, he, didn't, he, he, he had all his hair on. He had his <laughs> hair under his arms. So, anyway, so it was very funny, and, and, and I remember. And uh, So I, I mixed those two. It's a strange mixture, but I mixed them together, and that was great fun. That was <laughs> that's just you just got me. So I just there it is. <laughs> um, it's it's an overused expression saying uh, the later much missed, and we've had John Lennon and and Freddie Mercury, and now here's another. You a big fan of Donna Summer's work? Well, we were great friends, right? I can, I can say we we met again in Hair. We, we, I mean, we went through some years, like five, six years, where you don't see people that you're very good, good friends with, but you're just good friends. And um, she, I met her and um, her boyfriend at the time. They came, they were in here in Munich, and they came to see the show in the afternoon, because all the haircasts from all over the world would just turn up at the theatre's doors and see each other and say hello. And she came in, and we we went out to dinner. They saw the second show on the Saturday, and we went out to dinner. And um, um, they were staying in a hotel in Ells Court, and I'd said, no, come and stay in my flat. And you just did that, and, and it was organic, and we were just great friends. And um, I knew all her family and, and some of the children when they were younger. Not intimately, but I knew her, and whenever she was in London doing a concert or whatever, she would always call, and if I was in America occasionally, I would always phone if, if she happened to be in mm. that, if I knew where she was. And so we were great pals really, and I, I didn't realise that she even had cancer, obviously, she just kept it to herself, and it went, but when I spoke to Bruce, her, um, her, her, her husband, um, they just he said, look, we just decided we were just going to keep it that way, yeah. because people just always ask, you know, how are you, and things, well, how are you, you know, how yeah. are you, you know, so it was, um, but we were, we really had really good times together, and really jolly times. And um, she, I remember once going over and staying with her in, um, in, when she was in Nashville. And I, I stayed with her for five or six days there. And one of my pals was working there as well, Torquil. And he was, doing, he was in the music business as well. And we went out uh, um, a few times. And then the next day, when, uh, it was a Saturday night, and she said, listen, wh whatever hours you're out till, we're going to church on <laughs> Sunday morning. And I was lifeless. That's going to be the <laughs> nicest way I'm going to put it. I was not in a state to go to church. No. But she woke me up, and off to church we went um, at eight in the morning. Wow. Eight in the morning. After a night out in the town. Gee, after a night out. But I have to tell you, and I tell you, it was, it was uplifting. There were 3,000 people in the choir. Wow. I Gosh. mean, and you just sat at the back there with my dark glasses and things, and all of, all of a sudden, the spirit was with you. Whoa! <laughs> it was fantastic. And it's one of my, the highlights of, of, of my times um, with her. And in London, 
when she came here and she always stayed at the Dorchester and stuff like that. No, so I have very, very, very happy, happy memories from, from um, the beginning of our, our acquaintances uh, and then becomes friendships from 68, 69, which was, I, I, I met some, we met, I met some good people and she's one of the best and she was one of my, I have to say, one of my greatest friends and we always, we always met, she always tried to, whenever she was in London, find me and if I was away she'd say, I'm in London, where are you? And it's, uh, yeah, so Donna is, Donna is Donna, she is the lady. One of my favourite songs. I, I tell you, when I told her that I was one of my favourite songs, she couldn't believe it because she saw something else. I just love that song. It's just great. I just love the production on it. It's just, I like it. <laughs> something very different for your final choice. Uh, Maria Callas recording of, and uh, you'll have to tell me. I know it's Tosca, Tosca's Puccini, but you'll have to tell me what it's called. Visidiati. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> from Puccini's Tosca. Yes. Um, I. I'm not going to say too much about this, except that I, coming from the background that I did, um, one of my other heroes in, in terms of, um, I thought my mother was a magnificent singer, and I have to say this, Mavis Straker, and I just say this now as I've grown up, um, I thought she had the most magnificent voice. When we were young and children, you don't appreciate these things. No, you don't, no. And I say this, and, and I was talking to my brother Martin about this, and she was just re remarkable, and I, it sort of makes me feel quite sad, because, um, but I don't want to be sad. And uh, and so mum was, uh, she was, she was, she was the best. And um, this woman, um, Maria Callas, I I went to see, I think I went to, to the opera house to see her in Tosca, with um, um, Tita Gobi, and it. It left such an impression on me. I, th I think, first of all, because um, Callas, I'd seen other operas and things, but she was uh, she was like a modern wo a, a modern woman. She wasn't like the big opera singers with those voices, which are great voices. Don't get me wrong, but and she and she was an actress. She was a, a consummate actress. And in, and I I just seen her and I, and I just fell in love with her and so I followed her and seen her different recordings and this is one of the great recordings for me that I like. There's a lot of interesting things about her that always uh, interest it, 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 it fascinated me that she wasn't a perfect singer and so she wasn't note perfect, but you got you got what she was singing about. You mm. got the you got the. Uh, you got the intensity of the uh, and the drama and the and the and and the drama and I love that. So this is just play this man. There's nothing else to say. This is fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> Before we hear it, Peter, um, yep. you've been very busy musically over the last year or so, and yep. as well as your recordings from the early '70s being remastered last year, uh, some oh, new yes. music as well. As we sit and record this at the end of May 2021. Uh, fingers crossed the lockdown caused by COVID-19 is coming to an end and prior to COVID you were appearing in the first English language production of uh, La, La, 
Lacage au Four. Thank you. At the Park Theatre in London. So, yes. what are the immediate future plans for Peter Stryker? I, I'm not quite sure because after the box set came out, as you said last year, it was just about this, about last year, um, yes, in March. Um, and, and that was sort of three albums that I had done in the 70s, two with EMI, one with Rocket Records. Um, and it, it, it's come. It sold quite well, but I wanted to sell more mm. because in lockdown, because of course, I, I, but I, I would, I'd like to sell more. And, and we did one single from it, which we took, which was um, Harpy Still. And then towards the end of the year last year, um, to promote it for Christmas, I spoke to Michael Addison, who was my producer, and who wrote a song called Late Night Taxi Dance. And I said, shall we remaster, re rework this? And he said, well, why not? I said, it's only, it's only just to promote the album. Rather than using the old single of it, let's do a new one. So we did an, um, a, a, a retro electric version, which I did in my flat, where I'm doing this now, talking to you. With, um, and I did it with um, Dylan Wynn Davis. He's from, he's from near you lot as well, because I know his dad very well. And he, he's a sound guy, so he's here tonight. He's, he's doing this with me today. And, um, and we, so I, to a rough track Michael sent me of Late Night Taxi Dancer, I, I re-vocalized it and, and redid it, and with all the backing singers and thing. We did it from my flat here. And, and, and so um, Dylan sent it down, I called it down the line. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and it went to Michael, so it was, it was um, and, and, and we came up w with a song which uh, Late Night Taxi Dancer 2020 is the version. If anybody's interested, go and buy it. If you play it, I don't know if you're going to play it. And I'm very proud of it. I really feel it. And now we've just done some, um, um, I've done another track of something which we're going to have, have released in the next couple of months and stuff. So it's done very well. It's been on the Heritage Charts and done very well. And the Heritage Chart has now been picked up by so many independent yeah. radio stations. Yes, it has. As you probably know. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Watch this spot. So I'm hoping to do that. And I'm, I'm hoping to do uh, one play. But again, the plays are very difficult. So mm. I, we're just just waiting and final question uh, as you look back over a long distinguished career is there one thing that you're most proud of um i the only thing i'm proud of is i'm, I'm still alive <laughs> I, I, it's amazing i i'm thank you whoever is looking after us thank you i'm i'm alive and 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 sort of enjoying life good that's the important and, and thing. And really trying to enjoy that without making too much of an effort. Because life just comes, it swamps you and you get, mm. like everybody else, I get depressed and, 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 and a bit down. But um, not, I hope I don't go to too, 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 not too many dark places. Uh, and I just think, I, when I wake up in the morning, Andrew, I go, oh God, you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> and I do. <laughs> so, so that's, yeah, life. We're going we're gonna to hear from Maria, Maria Callas, but yes. Peter Straker, it's been an absolute delight and a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> first love where uh, actor and singer peter straker has been choosing 10 of his favorite songs i'm andrew wolf and join me soon when another guest chooses 10 of their favorite songs on another edition of music was my first love